that was written by Ruth K. I believe that's how you spell or pronounce that name, C-A-Y-E-K Jones. And uh, she wrote a, this beautiful song, and it's been used a lot uh, by uh, individuals uh, in congregations and solos, and also as titles to messages. And uh, I first used the title to this message that we're going to look at today in 1983. How many of you were not born in 1983? Okay, there's one up there. Now look, you got to be, I saw you raise your hand over here. Okay, but in 1983, some things have changed since 1983. And before we look at that, before I mention that, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And uh, we want to look at a couple of scriptures there. And uh, look with me if you would. Verse 9, it says, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Verse 10, Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. Now, we're going through some difficult times today in this world. And I want you to know that the Bible says that Things have really not changed. That what has happened in the past happens now. But also remember this, that things that happen to us personally can be different. Why? Because it's different to us. And in 1983, Ronald Reagan was president. Today, we know that Donald Trump is president. And in 1983, listen to this now, the population was estimated at 4.72 billion people in, uh, in the world as of July 20. Uh, uh, July, uh, 7.8 billion people are now. Okay, and then, uh, this, this is really something to think about, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. You, you stockholders out there, you, uh, you rich people now, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average back in December of 1983, listen carefully, was 1,258.64. I looked this up, and on July 24th this year, the Dow Jones Industrial is 26,469.89. We're, uh, we're in a recession, aren't we? Well, look, somebody's come out and said, I'm going to make things better. I'm going to make things a lot better. Well, folks, God's been good to us in this world and in this country that we live in. Folks who have been privileged to invest their, their life savings and whatever, they have come out pretty good in these past few years. Uh, in 1983, Dr. Jesse Bloom was pastor of this church. Today, Dr. John A. Bloom is pastor of this church. And I thank God for that, that uh, these men of God have stood on the Word of God. Well, we look at some things in our personal lives that have changed. And in the world, some things have changed. But when we look at it, it's just a repeat of a lot of things that happened in the past. But there's certain things in this world that haven't changed. The first thing is sin. Sin has not changed. Sin is still dirty and rotten. Sin still takes the lives of individuals who give themselves over to drink, over to drugs, and over to any illicit thing that, uh, that the devil has. People are giving their lives away because of sin. Something else that hasn't changed, and that's heaven. Heaven is still there. God is still on the throne. And no matter what the devil throws at us and tries to throw at Him, 
the Lord still stands. He still, I say He stands. He stands because He is God, but He is there on the throne of God right now. And He is not going to change. Heaven is not going to change. And something else that hasn't changed, and that's hell. Hell is still there. Hell is where it has been since man was found to be sinful. Now, I look back in the Old Testament and I see the name Korah, K-O-R-A-H. I see that name, he rose up against God and we, we often say he rose up against uh, uh, Moses, but he actually rose up against God. And what happened to Korah? The Bible says that the earth opened up and swallowed his family and he went down to the pits of hell. And I got news for you. Korah is still in hell today because he rose up against God. Hell is still there. Well, the blood of Jesus still saves. That has never changed. It will never change. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came and He lived a perfect life. He shed His blood on the cross of Calvary. The blood of Jesus Christ, it will never lose its power. Things in our lives may change, but that will never change the blood of Jesus Christ in times like these. Well, what time is it? What time is it? Well, the Bible tells us what time it is. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, it tells us that the times we are now living in is perilous times. This also know, know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. I believe we're in the last days. Now, in fact, if you go back and look at the cross when Jesus Christ was crucified, we could probably start there and say that is the beginning of the last days. Jesus could come back at any moment for us who know Him as Lord and Savior. We're living in perilous times. It's been bad, but it's going to get worse, I believe. Now notice also in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the time we are now living in is the latter times. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, I look around and I see preachers who now are not standing for the Word of God. I see preachers who once stood in the pulpit and they stood up for the things of God and they now have cowered down because of pride, because of selfishness, because they want something that this world offers them and they turn their back on God. It's not surprising because the Bible says that's going to happen. In these last days, every person needs to have an understanding of the times. In, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, it says, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It seems that man has been ignorant all through creation. All, ever since man has been around. Even Adam was ignorant, wasn't he? But thank God he got saved because God provided a, a coat of skins and he and Adam and Eve they were saved. I'll see them in heaven one day because Jesus Christ later on, we know that as we look forward from the shedding of the blood of those animals, those skins of those animals, that was a, a, a likeness of the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. So I'll see them in heaven one day. In this message, I'd like to look at four thoughts from this well-known song. Now, of course, the thoughts that I'm going to use are actually based upon the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, in times like these, we need You. 
We need you, Father, more now than we've ever needed you. Now, Father, things change in our lives personally, but you never change. You're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we're living today. And we need to know some things, Lord. We need to have the confidence that you will give each one of us. And I thank you today for your word that you can show us the things that we need to know in times like these. Thank you, Father, for Jesus who gave his life for us that we could be in heaven with you one day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the song, in times like these, it says you need an anchor. This means you need to be secure. This means that uh, you need security in your life. And, and thank God for those of us who are saved, we have an anchor. And I would go further than that and say we have the anchor. Jesus Christ, the anchor. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, if you would. Hebrews chapter 6. And as we look at this, we need to understand some things about God that He wants us to know, even by looking at this, these uh, verses that we're going to read right now. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 through 20. Wherein God, this is God, wherein God willing more abundantly. He's will, he, he just let her rip. He, he poured it out more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. Who are the heirs of promise? That's us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The heirs of promise, the immutability of His counsel, it will never change. His counsel will never change. Immutability, never changing. Confirmed it, He's confirmed it now, by an oath. His counsel, immutability, His counsel confirmed by an oath. That by two immutable things, there's the word again, it doesn't change by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. God cannot lie. We might have that. Uh, what, what is he saying this for? That we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast in which entereth into that within the veil. Folks, the veil was rent in twain, the Bible tells us. Jesus Christ was on that cross and the veil was rent in twain. And Jesus Christ now has entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven for you and I. He's there. He's entered into the veil of the Holy of Holies in heaven. He's entered in there. And it says, whether the, for, whether the forerunner is for us entered. Who's the forerunner? Jesus Christ. Even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ, He's our anchor. He's the forerunner who went before us. He gave His life for us that we could have security today. Well, we have security. In Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 through 3, it says, To the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamoth. Now, I've told that that word Alamoth means it's a ladies song, the ladies to sing, the, the sopranos. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but it, it's for the ladies to sing this. God is our refuge, they're singing, and strength. He's our refuge. We, we rush to Him. He is our security. He's our strength. A very present help in trouble. Are we in trouble? Is this world in trouble? Well, look, we've been in trouble since Adam and Eve. Since Adam sinned, we've been in trouble. And people get their eyes on the temporal things upon 
the uh, physical things instead of keeping their eyes upon the spiritual, upon the soul of man, upon the real reason that Jesus came and died. He died for the souls of men and women. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, it makes no difference what happens. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. It makes no difference what comes into our lives. If you're a saved person, you have nothing to fear. You say, well, I might die. Bless God, you'll be, with glory. You'll be in glory. You'll be with Jesus Christ. We have nothing to fear as saved people. If you're not saved today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have everything to fear. You have fear that will overshadow anything in your life. When it comes down to the time of your death, if you're not saved, it's too really too late to fear then. The Bible says that you're to fear God. Fear Him reverently. He gives life. And He wants you to be saved today if you've never trusted Him as your Lord and Savior. He wants you to have security. Romans 8, 35-39. Very familiar verses if you turn there with me. We'll spend just a moment or two on those verses. We have security today, today in times like these. We have an anchor. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Do you have tribulation today? The world does. Is that going to separate us from the love of Christ? Or distress? Are you distressed today? Or persecution? Do people persecute you personally because you're a Christian? Uh, will famine do it? Uh, if the world, if there's a famine in the world, is that going to separate you from the love of Christ? If you start going hun hungry, is that going to separate you from the love of Christ or nakedness? If you lose everything you've got, is that going to separate you from the love of Christ or peril, danger, danger, or sword? People today are not only concerned about what's going on in the world today with a virus or whatever it is, but they're also concerned about war, aren't they? Wars, wars, rumors of war. And let me say this, we will not go through the Great Tribulation. We are not going to be here. We don't have to fear that because Jesus is coming back with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and He's going to say, come up hither. And those of us who are alive are going to go with Him right then. The dead in Christ will go. Now, I believe the dead in Christ are with Him, don't you? Those who have died and gone on, they're already with Jesus Christ. But we which are alive, when He comes back in the clouds, we're going to go with Him. Notice this. We don't have to concern ourselves with war. Now, we can stay in tune and understand that as Christians, we need to stand up for what's right and do what's right concerning any kind of war that comes along. We need to make sure that uh, now let me say, I'm not going to get into any politics or anything, but let me say it's important for us to be in tune with who's right and who's wrong. We need to know how to vote when we go to the polls. We need to vote for those people who are standing up for this country who are doing the things that God wants them to do. Not what the party wants them to do, but what God wants them to do. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. 
Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Shall anything separate us from the love of Christ? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death... Now, are you persuaded? Listen now, are you persuaded? I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. The devil can't do it. The demons can't do it. I am persuaded, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, any creation. I am convinced, he says, uh, nay, in all these things, shall, nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. Now look, folks, we have saved people. We have security. That security is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Quit trying to hang on yourself. Quit trying to hang on. Let Jesus take care of it. He's told you He would. All you've got to do is trust Him. Trust Him. You did that when you got saved, did you? Listen to Him. He's giving you security. He is our security. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Did you commit yourself to the Lord? Did you commit your soul to the Lord? Then you're secure in the Lord. You have the anchor. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cable strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? Thank God. We have an anchor. And better yet, the anchor has us. We have security when Jesus is our Savior. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Jesus is the rock. You can't get any better than that. You can't get a better anchor than Jesus Christ, the rock. Well, in the times like these, you need security. And I trust that you have security. I trust that you're saved. And I trust you as a safe person. You understand you have the security today. As an unsafe person, you need security. You need to trust Jesus Christ. Well, in times like these, uh, you also need the Scriptures. The words of the song say, you need the Bible. Well, you have been told concerning the Bible, first of all, to know it in your head. Know it up here. Know it up here. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is one time I'm not ashamed to be called a workman. There he is over there. Okay, I'm not ashamed to be called a workman because the Bible says a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Brother Workman must rightly divide all the time. His name's Workman. Okay, but we too, we are to be workmen who rightly divide the word of truth, get it in our heads, and then we're to stow it in our hearts. Proverbs 4.4 4 says, He taught me also and said unto me, Thine heart, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Well, look, you may be elderly, you you. Brother Gary says a lot of us got one foot in the grave. Okay? But no matter what your position is, how old you are, how young you are, you, you get it in your head and you hide it in your heart. But I found this to be true. 
there's many times when I'm uh, talking to someone about the Word of God, and they ask me a certain specific thing, and I say, well, you know, I know what the Bible says. I don't know, I don't know the address, but I know what it says, and I give it to them. I let them know what the Word of God says. And as, as I think of this, I think that, you know, you read the Word of God, you study the Word of God, you get it in your head, you put it in your heart, and God will bring that back to you. And now we've been talking about this in Sunday school, how that, you know, God wants each of us to be a witness for Him. And we don't need to worry about uh, when we're witnessing to someone, are we going to say the right thing? Now, we can be concerned. But you need to be really concerned if you haven't gotten in the Word of God. If you're in the Word of God, I found this to be true, that God brings things back to your remembrance. He will help you if you know Him as Savior when you're presenting the Word of God to a lost person in this world. You young people, you need to take that to heart and you need to start now studying the Word of God and hiding it in your heart getting it there so that you can use it in life to help other people. And we've been told also concerning the Bible to show it in our lives. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, listen to what it says about us who are saved. Ye are the light of the world. Ye, that's personal, isn't it? Ye. That's even Brother Miley. Ye. He's even the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Brother Milan doesn't, you know, we know he's not hidden. He's always around me. He lets us know. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a, a, a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our salvation needs to be seen in our lives. People need to see us. They need to see us that there's something different about us who know Jesus Christ as Savior. We've also been told this about the Bible. Sow it to the world. Take it out. Sow it to the world. Psalm 126, 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And I found this out that I can cry, I can weep without shedding a tear. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. My heart can yearn and be so burdened for individuals that I'm crying, I'm begging God, save that individual, help that individual, help my brothers and sisters in Christ, help those people who are going through a difficult time, especially right now, as this world is in such chaos. My heart can cry out to God. When I pray and I ask God to save that soul that's nearest hell, one of these days, I'm going to come bringing my sheaves with me. Uh, I'm going to come there, stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say this. Those of you who do witness, those of you who spread the Word of God, do not get discouraged. You are not the one who's going to save anyone. It's Jesus Christ who saves them. It's, it's God who saves them. But remember this. When you go out and you tell someone about Jesus Christ and they slam the door in your face or they tell you to get away from them or they say, no, not now, I'm too busy or whatever the case may be. You sow the Word anyway. You keep sowing the Word. And that person that would come along 
after you and say to that person you've witnessed to, say, wouldn't you like to get saved? And they say, oh yes, I want Jesus Christ as my Savior. Uh, that's one of your sheaves. That's one person that you have a part of leading to the Lord Jesus Christ because you've given them the Word. Somebody else comes along and reaps, but you have a part of that. Keep on telling people about Jesus Christ. Luke 8, 5 says, A sower went out to sow his seed. And Luke 8, 11 says, Now the parable is this, The seed is the Word of God. You can't improve upon that. We can be thankful that the Scriptures today are available to us. Thank God that Jesus Christ is the living Word. And thank the Lord the authorized King James Bible is the God-breathed book that we have, that we use in this church. And you need to be using that book as well. Now there's an old illustration that I'll use. pastor may have used this before, I don't know. There was a man, he worked in stone. He, he, he worked in a, uh, where they blasted rocks. Well, the explosion went off early. Blew his hands off. His eyesight was gone. He was in terrible shape. His face was disfigured. Just before this happened, maybe a year or two, he had given his life to the Lord. He fell in love with the book, but he could no longer read it after his accident. He was distraught. And then he heard of a, a lady who could read the Bible in Braille with her lips. He was excited, and his friends sent for a lady who could teach him how to read Braille with his lips, and uh, just before she came, he noticed he couldn't fill with his lips. As he reached down to kiss the Bible one last time, goodbye, his tongue happened to touch it. He could fill with his tongue. The lady who had been brought in to teach him Braille to read with his lips is now brought back to teach him how to read Braille with his tongue. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this man loved God. This man loved the Word of God. Do you love God? Do you love the Word of God? Then you need to get into the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Jeremiah said, Thy words were found and I did eat them. And th Thy Word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by Thy name. O Lord God of hosts. Are you saved? You're called by His name. You need to love the Word of God. In times like these, you need service as well. As Jones has written this, O be not idle. And surely, the, the, in light of the soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ, we should be serving the Lord in spirit and in truth with all our hearts. You see, many Christians today are AOL, not AOL, AWOL, absent without leave. But do you know this, that many have never reported for duty? Have you? Have you reported for duty for our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, why should you be serving the Lord? 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. You should... Love the Lord. You should serve the Lord because His love for you. Now we often think of serving the Lord out of love for Him. 
But in reality, it should be because we recognize His love for us. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Well, i got news for you. It's one thing to die for a friend. It's another thing to die for an enemy. Do you know that the Bible tells us that we, are in, we were enemies to God before we came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ laid down His life for an enemy, for enemies. And He's laying down His life today for enemies of the cross, those people who do not know Him as Lord and Savior. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Thank God He's my friend. He saved me. He died for me. He died for you. You should also serve the Lord enthusiastically. I would say hilariously. You remember that, that uh, back here it says that we're to give. How does it say it, brother? Cheerful. cheerful. We're to be a cheerful giver. And when I see that word enthusiastically, I think of being a cheerful giver. Uh, hilarious. Be hilarious. Uh, you should be excited about your great privilege of serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's not only the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's your Savior. And you need to be serving Him because He is your Savior. Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, enthusiastically, as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of what? The inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Serve the Lord heartily. No matter what comes into your life, serve Him heartily. Don't, don't serve Him by force. A preacher can stand behind this pulpit or any place in this world or see you personally and say, you've got to serve God. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make that horse drink, can you? You've heard that. Okay? Preacher can say those things until he's blue in the face. But it's God speaking to your heart that really gets the job done. You need to listen to the voice of God. When should you be serving the Lord? Romans 13, 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It makes no difference if Jesus Christ does not come back for us for 10 more years, we're going to meet Him one way or the other. You're either going to meet Him in death or you're going to meet Him in the air. So now is the time. Now is the time to serve Him because we're not promised tomorrow. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You don't know when the breath of life is going to leave your body. Now's the time to serve the Lord. This is now. Well, the bottom line is this. You should not be idle as a Christian. 1 Samuel verse 12, chapter 12, verse 24 it has the answer. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Why? For consider how great things He hath done for you. No matter how much I ask you to serve God, no matter how much this preacher asks you to serve God, no matter who asks you to serve God, you need to serve God because you need to consider what great things He's done for you. He's done so much. Well, finally, you say, well, bless God, finally. In times like these, 
you do need a Savior. Why? Because you're a sinner. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why? Why do you need a Savior? Because you are lost. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You need a Savior because you're under God's condemnation right now. John 3, 17 and 18, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is what? Condemned already. A person without Jesus Christ, you don't have to wait till you stand before the white throne judgment to be condemned. You don't have to wait because you're condemned already because you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You need a Savior because you're dead in sins. Ephesians 2.1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in sins and trespasses. That's us who are saved. Ephesians 2.5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. Why should you get saved? Because you're on the way, on your way, to the devil's hell. Preachers preach about this. Well, they should. I mean, some preachers don't preach about hell anymore, do they? They, they preach about the, only the good things. People need to be warned that there's a hell, that people's on their way there. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear the virus. Don't fear that. Don't fear the sickness. I'm not, I'm not telling you not to, you know, you've got to use common sense. But you need to fear what's going to happen to you after this life. You need to trust Jesus Christ as Savior if you've never trusted Him as your Savior. You need to get that in your head and in your mind and in your heart today. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you if you've never trusted Him as your Savior. And you're living on borrowed time. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Well, thank God, in times like these, there is a Savior. Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. For the Son of Man, in Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And there are so many verses that tell us that Jesus Christ is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How dare someone say that there's a limited atonement? How dare someone say that, that God is only going to save certain individuals when He says, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. All save, all unsaved people. Not just a select few. That atonement is not limited. It covers. The blood of Jesus Christ covers the vilest offender according to the Word of God but He must be received. You must ask Him to come into your heart. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. May I ask you today, do you have an anchor? Do you have security? Do you have the Scriptures in your heart? Do you do service 
for the Lord. Do you have a Savior? My prayer for you today is that you do have an anchor. If you're saved, you do. You have Jesus Christ, your anchor, the rock of our salvation. Shall we pray?